welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon coming to you with another installment of the Standing in the Gap broadcast. We're continuing our study of the gospel according to Matthew And we once again find ourselves in the first 11 verses of the fourth chapter. Read those along with me again if you're able. Beginning in verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. As we began to study this portion of scripture, I mentioned that we'd examine four aspects of Christ's temptation. Obviously, there are more than four areas to discuss in this event. But I had intended to use four headings to approach them. Well, I've gotten ahead of myself and a couple of those came through in our first heading. So there won't be four, but rather a second, uh, which I'll endeavor to develop in the remainder of our time here. We've looked at the express purpose in this temptation. By way of a brief review, we saw that this was no accidental encounter. Christ went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. We're instructed to pray, lead us not into temptation, but our Lord knowingly faced it head on. We considered the season of this temptation. It followed on the heels of a time of victory and affirmation in the baptism of Jesus, and it continued for 40 days and 40 nights. What a relentless foe that we have. Yet, what an amazing example has been set for us by our Lord. Then we notice the suitability of this temptation. First, it was so because of our adversaries, ourselves. We noted the difference between Christ and us. Though he was impeccable or incapable of sin, 
He was able to be tempted with real temptation as we are. He came forth without. Uh, his came from without, while ours primarily come from within. Then we saw that our adversary is Satan. Our text says he was tempted of the devil. We noticed that the tactics of Satan have not changed whatsoever. He attempted here, just as in the garden, to call into question God's love. God's holding out on you, he says. The essence of his words here were, if God cared about you, he'd give you the glory without all the suffering. This is precisely how he attacks us. Now, moving on from the express purpose in this temptation, I want to dig more deeply into the text itself and start to examine the essential principles of this temptation. As I begin to unpack these principles, I want to emphasize something that's very important but often overlooked, and that is that Christ is in every instance setting forth for us an example, a pattern to guide us. Take the model prayer, for instance. In that prayer, Christ gives us a roadmap for effective, intelligent prayer. He tells us how to address the Father, how to form our prayers, what requests are to be made. There's not a single need that you and I will ever have that is not addressed in some way in that model prayer. Lost souls are found in the phrase, Thy kingdom come. Direction is sought when we say, Thy will be done. Physical needs are, no, are made known when we say, give us this day our daily bread. I could go on and on, but my point is this. If we fail to use the pattern and the tools that Christ has given us by example, we rob ourselves of many victories. The same is true in his temptation. I said to you recently that temptation is one aspect of our spiritual warfare. This is where the battle is waged and victory is either gained or forfeited. Victory over temptation, whether it be trials and afflictions or solicitation to commit sin, should not be an occasional thing in the Christian life, but rather it should be our normal day-to-day -day experience. If we're careful to study the text of Scripture and apply its principles, there's no reason we cannot live in victory. After all, we read in 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So it is, and so it ought to be. There's a tremendous promise that is pertinent to our study, found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There we read, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Thus, our victory is based on God's promise. The way of escape is made. All we have to do is utilize it. I believe we do that by following Jesus' example. Now, the first essential principle that must be understood when it comes to temptation is that there are three primary areas in which we are tempted, and they're reflected here in the three temptations of Christ that are recorded for us by Matthew. As I mentioned before, these were not Satan's only attacks upon Jesus. Jesus. 
for 40 days and nights. He threw everything he had at our Lord. But it is significant that these are the ones chosen by the Spirit of God and pinned down under inspiration by Matthew as well as by Luke. In 1 John, we find these areas of temptation listed. He says in chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Three things are mentioned by John in this text, of which all that is in the world is comprised. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every sin of humanity falls under one of these categories. Every single lust begins in one of these areas. And these are the areas in which our Lord was tempted in the text before us. In Matthew, they're not in this same order, but in Luke, they are in the exact same order listed as John listed them. I'll give you a brief overview of that correlation between these texts, and we'll start digging into them next time. First, John mentions the lust of the flesh. In this, we find those inward inclinations to fulfill the various desires of our natural selves. This is the area of temptation reflected in Matthew 4, 3 and 4. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The lust of the flesh, he was hungry. His flesh desired food, and Satan tempted him with a matter of food and fulfilling that hunger. Secondly, we find that John refers to the lust of the eyes. This is the attitude of the heart that is never satisfied or content with what it possesses, but wants to have everything that it sees. We might call it covetousness or greed. It gives birth to envy and jealousy and all that proceed from those. This aspect of temptation is seen in the final scene of Matthew's account where the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Then John speaks of the pride of life. That is that desire to receive honor from men. It is undue reverence for the praise and applause of this world. The scriptures declare in Proverbs 29, 25, that the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Much is done for fear of man. It is said of the Pharisees in John 12, 43, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. That is the essence of the phrase, the pride of life. This is the area of temptation reflected in our text in verses five through seven. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, 
If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Oh, what honor Jesus may have been perceived to have received had he jumped off that temple been rescued visibly to all by the angels. So the pride of life. Now I believe every temptation has the potential of containing any or all of these elements. But there can be no doubt that at least one of these is prominent in every lust and subsequent sin committed by mankind. Therefore, there are great lessons to be learned and great principles to be adopted from this text. May God help us to discover them as we study it together. Now, next time we'll begin to dig into these three aspects of temptation and we'll see how the Lord would have been affected by them and how he overcame those temptations. And uh, we'll, we'll dig into it as we study these verses together. Till then, this has been Preacher Brandon. I'm praying for you. May God bless you as you continue to stand in the gap. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's bc. H-A-R-R-E-L-L 83 at protonmail.com You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923 Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.